0: Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Nerds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybock, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey,
1: how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon gaming and cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you.
0: So join us by visiting theurbannerdcon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. theurbannerdcon.net Our heroes, our villains, our stories,
1: everyone's con. See
2: I tune into the ACC Sports Lab to see my team wanna lost, if they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth, but if they want, she tell, uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talkin' bout, and Charles, they know what they be talkin' bout, they compress the analytic data with the hip-hop, if you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lose. yeah, so, listen to professor, professor, yes,
3: sir, yes, sir, and pay attention. As he- this is Dr. Laville, Inside HBC Sports Live with Mike Washington Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is still out on the signing. So, we have none other than AD Drew in the building. Yeah, you know him as the clinical professor, bringing you that updated knowledge. Welcome to episode 275 of Inside HBC Sports Live radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBC Dash, while all things HBC sports from institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Yadda Cavill, along with my co host, Mike Washington Charles Bishop, filming from our home studios and sending a signal live. KCH twelve thirty AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi Hall of Famer in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas, and happy belated birthday to Mr. Ralph Cooper. Yes, yes, indeed.
4: Let me go to Charles. How's it going out there for you, Charles? Doing well, Doc. I tell you what, it's hot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's super hot uh, you, 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 don't you don't say you don't say but uh, no doing well doing well a little too hot for the golf course though. tell you that much.
3: <laughs> oh you would know you would know if it's too hot for the uh, golf yeah. course that's Ooh. a sad day for you man when you look out there and you like I have time for golf but I can't play because it's too hot
4: yeah if the tee time ain't 7 o'clock or 7.30 I uh, I see y'all
3: on another day. You no. Know? <laughs> no thanks. Well that, no thanks. <laughs> that being said, let me go to AD Drew. How you doing today?
5: Man, the only thing that was out today in this heat was the gnats where I live at, because everything else was uh, in in the air conditioner, man.
3: Oh, man, it's bad when it, when, yes. you, when the nats. Uh, <laughs> real comfortable for the gnats and miserable for everybody else.
5: Exactly, exactly. Because all you was doing, you 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 was fanning the nats away. You really fanning yourself, but uh, you know, air temperature got up to a hundred and one. Where I where I am at today, uh, record record high one hundred and one for this date. So uh, oh. heat, heat index was about uh, buck ten. So uh, I know y'all a little bit used to that down there in Texas, but for us in Georgia, that's just like extreme.
3: Yeah, you're right. We we get those numbers, but I don't know if you're ever by definition used to it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it happens for sure. So you're right on that. Let me take this time. As we hadn't had a chance to do in a while we had some of these loyal lab listeners out here, I want to give them a little shout out as we get into it. Um, as we get into a little more dialogue, maybe some interchange, if there's some questions out there for my lab listeners, this is the date to make sure you get it out there. We got space and time for it. So Lenny, Lennon, I should say, blow. Noel Price are in the building. Noel Price says, good evening, Dean and professors, lab time. Hashtag V, I love. I think I know what that represents.
1: <laughs> Carl Moore,
3: Chuck Hunt, already uh, from Monroe, Louisiana. Lashant Harris, making sure she checks out the lab. Arby Parker says good evening. Chuck Hunt says, "Fam, you marching 100 performed at the Louis, Louis Vuitton men's fashion show in Paris today. Part of the band performance. Shout out." to Jerome G Sutton, that sent me the leak link, I should say, 30 minutes, and I got to see it, man. That was a different showcase. It was exciting to see what was going on there, but admittedly, that was different for me, so I enjoyed it. Shout out to A.D. Drew and Roy in the back down, pushing the buttons, uh, the Rattlers getting it done over there, the Marching 100, showing out a little bit in Paris of all places. Mm -hmm. literally HBCUs around the world check that out Mm -hmm. I told y'all I told y'all we global Aaron Griffin says lab time yes it is Lonnie Shaw is in the building big time Aggie out there lab time Mary Allen said good evening appreciate you Mary Sherman Miller W Sherman Miller to be exact checking us out Chris Tucker says what's up Texas Heat, follow us to North Carolina. <laughs> he said that <laughs> Texas Heat then went over there to North Carolina. Yeah, that's not fair. <laughs> Chris Tucker does say good evening, lab. Carol Hillum, Checking us out. Uh, Chris Tucker says Virginia University in the house. I like that. CIAA representing. Lonnie Shaw says any HBCU BB being drafted tonight, Basketball player, I do not believe so. I hadn't heard anybody even really mention uh, that would have a shot. Uh, I think you'll get several that will get some camp invites, uh, potentially seeking to get some um, free agency side. But great question there, Lonnie. Going to be interesting to see if somebody can maybe find a way to sneak in there. But hadn't had hadn't had any serious talk. About the says hello, fellows. Good evening. Just give me some lab time. That's right, Ricky Burton in here. Troy Lamont Coleman says A&T is in the house. I see you. Yeah. yeah, with uh Troy over there. You know how he does it. Uh, uh, we in the lab, baby, says Ricky Burton. Dr. Paul Bryant, hello from Elwood Waters University. That's the transition program. NIA to the NCAA Division II. We're gonna have a surprise. We'll see if we can get uh the athletic director uh from uh Edward Waters University, and that's the vice president of athletics, AD, as well as the president. A chance to maybe get some FaceTime with a president. We haven't done that in a while, so that'll be nice. We got the, Dr. Paul Bryan putting that together, so when we uh, get that information to you, we'll surprise you, make sure we get that in there. Something that says see I see AD doing the strike sign, repping his off. Yeah, you know he's going to get wild and loose with that. Florida A.M. Dazzler, 1871 with the purple. In gold there, so you know what he's talking about representing with 1871. Kind of be some all-corn state university in the building there, putting that in there. Because 1876 purple and gold little different on that side. I was gonna say the west and the east side, but you know, the braids have moved over to the west now. So we both on the west side. Karen Griffin says SIA media day is fast approaching. Yeah, all this stuff getting important, and we'll get in a little bit. So Pointing to that, let me go straight to you, Charles. What's on your mind in terms of some of the latest and greatest updates of breaking out there in the HBCU landscape? What's on
4: your mind? Well, I think you guys started it off. I mean, kudos to the March of 100 performing in the Louis Vuitton uh, fashion show. Uh, some of the celebrities that were in attendance, great article written by Von Wilson on HBCU game day, but uh, you had Kendrick Lamar and Naomi uh, Campbell there in, in attendance oh, really? at the fashion show. So that was pretty cool. Uh, anytime you can uh, take the culture worldwide, if you will. So shout out to the March 100 for representing well, uh, not only for Florida a and University, but for HBCUs. That was pretty cool.
3: Yeah, talking about that, Jerome G. Sutton just ch- jumped on. I gave him a shout out a little earlier. About send me the video to check that out. So great point that you did there, Charles. Still a little bit of thunder from AD Drew, so he's going to have to go in a different direction. Shout out to Troy said Good evening from Jaguar Nation. Yeah, them Jaguars are a little excited out there. They've been poaching some poachers. Some of them <laughs> saying, I've been just saying you're hitting the free market. It is what it is. But good job to the Jaguar Nation out there as they are excited for this football season approaching. As many folks, that's one thing we're talking about. You know, you get into the deep part of the summer, folks get a little excited. Think they're going to do something. We're going to see who the... Real contenders are from the pretenders, as they say. But with mm-hmm. that going on, let's shout out and see AD Drew. What direction did you want to
5: go into? First, I want to say Florida AM, Donsolab and That's That's Florida AM <laughs> in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do. I, petite French. Petit.
6: petite.
5: Petit Francais. <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, had to go back to my high school days and remember the French class. <laughs> Look, yeah. I, I, I could What's read that? it all day just to ask me what I said. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh,
5: but uh, get back into it. Uh, and, and you just mentioned it. Uh, uh, one of our lab listeners mentioned SIEC uh, officially announced their uh, the media day, July 13th at the Black, uh, excuse me, at the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, and that's going to be Wednesday, July thirteenth, and that will be presented by Cricket Wireless. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of that meeting. Uh, I was actually on the phone with the athletic director from uh, uh, SIAC school today. We was just uh, we was just chatting, nothing, nothing no, 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 nothing that I can drop, no nuggets or anything like that. We were just having a general chat, and uh, but I am going to be curious to see. Uh, how they're going to tackle the two teams coming in on the east side, whether they're going to, uh, whether they're going to be eligible for the SIAC championship, are they still going with the east-west? Because uh, looking at the schedules, does it look like they're quite going with the traditional east-west format like they have in the past? So seeing how they're going to have the two teams come together in the championship game, is it going to be one and two? Or are they still gonna do some type of east west and, you know, just kind of seeing how they're gonna tackle that. And maybe we can get some dibs on how they're gonna tackle uh, basketball, where they've got an additional two teams that come in in basketball with uh, LeMoyne and Spring Hill coming in in basketball. So seeing how they're gonna tackle the conference alignment and conference scheduling throughout as, they have, as they're up to. Uh, I believe 14 on the men's side, 13 on the women's side, and I may have to, I may have that number off by one. But uh just going to be interesting to see what comes out of the SIAC. And last thing on the SIAC, in the old SIAC West, and I say old because we don't know how it's going to be divided, but every coach is new except for Lane University.
3: That makes the things really interesting and fascinating. Um, to your point, we'll put you on the spot a little bit, stick with you. What two questions? First one is how, if you were in charge, how would you break it up
5: for football for all uh, for all the other sports? Because football obviously is a different animal. Because we're
3: you, talking a little bit of football, let's start with football. And since they had a championship game, how would you break that down?
5: I, I moved the two Atlanta teams to the west.
4: I, why Atlanta nice. team?
5: Because geographically, they're the closest ones to the west, it's the easiest. Uh, it's the easiest travel for those because if you move the two Atlanta teams, you got Miles straight down I-20 from uh from Atlanta, you've got Kentucky State straight up I-65. You've got uh you've got Tuskegee straight down I I-85. Oh, so, and then if you get to Birmingham, Lane and uh, you know, Lane is is a straight shot from Birmingham. So travel wise, it's the it's the simplest thing to do to move the two Atlanta teams to the west. At least one of the two Atlanta teams to the West. But if you take one, you might as well take both. That's why I said the two Atlanta teams. So it'll be balanced um... though. it'll never be balanced because of Morehouse. You're always gonna have one odd because of Morehouse. It's gonna be it's gonna be seven, six, one way or the other. So the question is where do you put the seven? Do you put the seven in the west or do you put the seven in the east? Because on the east side, you've got you've got all you've got the remaining Georgia schools, Fort Valley, Albany State, Savannah State. Then you bring in Everwaters, Waters, and then you've got the two uh, schools in South Carolina who are literally across the street from each other, Benedict and Allen. So those six those six stay together. The question is, do you bring the Atlanta team in to make the seventh and keep the Atlanta market in both east and west, or do you take the full Atlanta market and shift them to the west? That's how I would look at it if I was the incoming SIAC commissioner. Charles, it seemed
3: like you were thinking in different directions. Oh, the Atlanta schools. Who are you thinking about, probably? No, no, that, that,
4: push- that actually makes sense. I mean, once I listen to AD's rationale in terms of 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 the Atlanta schools moving to the west, uh, and really, I have to keep in mind the South Carolina schools there. So, um, when you're talking about but yep. uh, so that that I hadn't factored in the South Carolina schools uh, there because I immediately honed in on Georgia schools. But that's a great point. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Second part
3: of the question was, is, is now now you're going to be a little prognosticator. How do you think they will break it down? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, I, actually, looking at how the schedules are made, like I say, it just looks like it's just you playing eight games for the for uh, for SIAC for football, which is why I asked the question: Are you just going to take the top two teams? to the SIEC championship game record-wise or, you know, because it doesn't look like – because I, I, I went through it and actually did a schedule grid, and it doesn't look like the traditional east-west east, east West, where you play everybody on your side and then you pick you play one or two on the opposite side. It doesn't look like that this year when I looked at the schedule.
4: Amy what do you think is the better format for an SIEC championship game? To play it at a central location or to go home or uh, – to
5: the, uh, the best records home field. Well, no, let, me, let me give you a, a breakdown of that. In the past, the SIAC has alternated between mm-hmm. East and West, irreg- irregardless of record. I believe last year it was in the East because Miles hosted it last year. So this year, by right, it should be Excuse me, it was in the West because Miles hosted this year. By right, it should be the East champion. But I, I actually like the format that the SWAC uses and puts it where you have the best record. Uh, you, you get to host it and you get the benefit of hosting it. You get your fans. You know, your fans are going to be there versus the CIAA who, uh, yeah, they, they may get uh, – obviously, they're getting money from that city where they're hosting it at in Salem, Virginia, but it may leave a little something to be desired from a fandom point of view because especially if you get uh, – you got to think about those teams from the south. Whoever's in the north is going to have an advantage playing in Salem, Virginia. It's that southern team, and maybe that's one of the reasons Fayetteville State can't get over the hump is because their fans – don't travel and you've got probably got maybe a three to one ratio of fans i'm just throwing something out there when i say that
3: interesting yeah that's a great point i did want to shout out before we go to this break that's why it's good to have your vp of athletics uh on joining us. he said ever waters this is dr paul bryant says ever waters and allen university can compete for the siec championship this coming year in all sports except football Except. <laughs> except football great except day paul. thanks uh dr brian thanks paul it's in there so uh pretty good <laughs> let's get into our first break we'll come back and talk about a little more news and just like there if you got some updates questions in the chat uh let us know we'll dig a little deeper into it we'll break down some more news there's some good news out there and some people may think it's a little slow right now but there's some things we can get in and talk about there's some churning some changing things going around the landscape that we must discuss some updates uh, and some people putting out some good news. So we'll get into a little more and get what these two gentlemen think about uh, the HBCU landscape, diaspora, as we like to call it, uh, as we move forward. We'll be right back after this break. Oh,
6: that spin class was brutal.
2: Oh, well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh yeah, that's nice.
6: Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoescaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131.
1: Tell your mama hungry, papa hungry, brother hungry. Mango's
6: Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine.
1: Slowburnwaco.com.
2: Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to loud loud and root So listen to Professor Yes, sir. And pay attention. So He's going to teach a lesson. Yes.
3: This is Dr. Ville with Inside HBC Sports Lab. We have the professors in the building. It's Professor Bishop in Clinical, visiting Professor Drew. With that being said, there is a report out there. I kind of touched on it a little bit, and I said it makes sense. It sounds like uh, it looks like they're moving in that direction with the four remaining baseball programs set to depart the MEAC in just that sport. Um, This is the Northeast Conference, what they'll be joining. And what I looked at when I talked about either the Northeast Conference or potentially American East is the Northeast Conference is down to 16 folks don't realize and remember the minimum bid that you need to have an automatic bid to the baseball tournament or any tournament playoffs, if you would for that matter has to be six. That's why you see the MEAC teams looking at going provisional in terms of uh, their membership in the Northeast for that sport only is because they're down to four. They had a two year hiatus uh, where they didn't have six members um, and now, obviously, um, they would lose that automatic bid. And so you have Coppin State, obviously, that won the MEAC this year in terms of the tournament. You have um, Delaware State. They won the regular season. Norfolk State won it last year in Maryland Eastern Shore. That looks like they'll be moving. Likely, we'll have an announcement coming up pretty shortly if that is the case. And uh, pretty good sources to say that this is – uh, the case, a couple of questions I have for you all. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously, it seems something that you almost have to do. But in any other, other fashions, Drew, what, what do you think about this move? Uh, does it make sense uh, in terms of uh, making sure that your baseball program can take advantage of an automatic bid if they can win the Northeast Conference and then, therefore, get into the playoffs? Or uh, Would you see them trying to wait it out? maybe to see if they can get some other teams coming up. What are your thoughts on that, Drew? Uh, uh,
5: first of all, is this officially conference churning, Dr. Cabell, or is this just a a move? How would you classify that?
3: This wouldn't be conference churning. This would be what program churning uh, in this particular way we look at it. This is a particular program because they're not taking all of their programs and declaring full membership in a conference. So as we look at it, uh, from that perspective, we wouldn't call it conference
5: room. Great question. Oh, okay, uh, it's 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 about survival right now, uh, Doctor Cavill. I am mm. I am so happy that I decided to take the flight to Norfolk, Virginia this this season to attend the MiAC baseball tournament because that may be that may be the last one for a while that that we that I that, that anyone can attend. So I am happy that I actually decided to uh, do it and my schedule allowed me to do it there at the uh, last minute. So uh just wanted to say that it had a uh, t- outside of the four hour and some odd minute championship game if game I actually enjoyed myself, and I enjoyed the if game. It just got long trying to beat the rain. But uh, I, what what I really need to do, and I have not had time to break this down, Doctor Cavill, is I know some of these teams have played uh, Northeast Conference teams. So, what is the Miacs record against? the Northeast Conference over the past couple of years. That's what I really would like to know to see how competitive we will be. Because us going to the Northeast Conference to be bottom feeders does us no good. We need to be in that conference. We, d- we need to be competitive we need to be in where it's going to be 10 teams now with the six that they have remaining so we, we yeah. need to we somebody needs to finish in the in, in the top three get to the semifinals of, of the conference tournament at least uh these first couple of years to really show that BAC baseball is competitive us going being bottom feeders is not not a good thing to your
3: point that that you were able to this championship this year. I wish I would have thought about it. I probably would have put into it. Uh, I, I got to think about that moving forward, about mm-hmm. being part of that. Another challenge that I go with Charles to kind of get his perspective, but add on this part of it. The other challenge, you know, the teams that a lot of people have suggested or maybe potentially heard would be Virginia State. Um, That would work uh, from the standpoint they have baseball. So that helps you get to five. But then we're looking at, you know, we State as some team in terms of the HBCU Division II program out of CIA that may move up, um, that people are at least had some interest. The other one would be Winston-Salem State. Some people talked about Fayetteville State. The challenge with those three programs, if they do move up, they don't have baseball. So unless they decide wow. to bring in baseball, they don't help you in terms of that. And so – that's the challenge you're looking at in terms of because CIAA, remember, the, you know, talk about that. People wanted to hear a little more about CIAA. One of the challenges you have with CIAA um is they don't have baseball. So baseball collegiately mm. uh, D2, the one in that area is a challenge in and itself. Um, particularly with HBCUs, but in general. So That's a different perspective when you start thinking about it. This is not just the MEAC in terms of the challenge of baseball. This is CIAA. And long before the MEAC had to make this move, uh, they disbanded baseball in terms of CIAA at the Division II level. So what are your overall thoughts in terms of baseball, HBCUs, particularly in this region, compared to maybe what you're seeing in the SWAC and SIEC?
4: Well, the first and foremost thing, I'm glad – that these uh, universities were able to find a conference that could house the baseball teams. Uh, and that was the thing that jumped out for me, uh, that these programs don't have to shutter, uh, much like North Carolina Central did. But I think you kind of answered the question that I had was how difficult would it have been for the MEAC to go out and find uh, two more teams to get that automatic birth And you started touching on, I, I guess, The regionality of baseball uh, uh, becoming an issue with regards to finding uh, viable programs to add to the MIAC. So maybe in this case, it was better to, uh, for lack of better words, cut ties and allow them to, you know, go where they could house and continue their programs.
3: Yeah, I think they had no choice. And you're bringing up a good point that I'm trying to put out to the masses is that this is a bigger issue than just losing those and. Steve Gaither has joined us and he jumped in here. We're going to talk about another article where he talks a little more in depth about Howard moving the MEAC in general on that level. We'll see if we can and get into his article. I encourage you to go read it. Um, really provides some in-depth knowledge and some quotes uh, from some anonymous sources that talk about why Howard chose to stay in the MEAC uh, in regard to that. good information. And it's the things that I researched and was told directly, too. So many of the things um, I can... Um, speak to in regards to the validity of but with that said getting back to uh, this phenomenon we're talking about here i talked to you earlier today charles um uh, as i was trying to get my work out yes people, I, I'm, I'm staying true i'm working out so y'all can keep proud right of me but i told you about the fact that uh, one of the issues that i'm going to watch my eyes on is college sports in general uh, from a football perspective you know most people see football, college sports, pretty rapid. There's been some concern with the attendance numbers going down. But with this decision with OU and Texas moving into the SEC, um, no later than 2024, uh, and how the SEC and these programs, Texas, are dominating not just football, but some of these Olympic sports in terms of softball. The softball championship were played between Texas and OU. They're going to the SEC. OU is playing in the championship. When you look at the College World Series, it was dominated by Southern teams other than Notre Dame out of the Midwest, basically. You had um, four teams from the SEC. You had two from the Big 12, but the two from the Big 12 are joining the SEC, Texas and OU again. And so what happens to a sport when it becomes just regionalized in terms of that framework is another component of what we're seeing taking place with baseball with the CIAA and MEAC. Um, so it's going to be. You get hockey, see,
5: Dr. Cavill.
3: Uh, what does that mean? Yep. In terms of that, that framework. So I'm fascinating what that looks like. Oh, you get, is it?
5: you get hockey when that happens, Dr. Cavill. <laughs>
3: yep. Yep. That, that may be the point where you have those Northeast teams, Midwest teams and East coast teams that focus on hockey. And now that becomes even a bigger idea from them. And just like you see hockey in a lot of ways dominating the East coast, even though those teams haven't been seems like successful with Tampa uh, and what is it, Colorado in the championship game, showing off a little bit of my hockey knowledge. I don't I don't know. Maybe go ahead, Charles, If I get myself in trouble. <laughs> well, you, you know
4: what, I, Steve David, touch, <laughs> after we had that conversation, Steve David actually touched on a point that I'm really curious about and it it actually does, uh, goes in with, you know, t- today marks uh, 50 years since Title IX. But I-, I guess it's a question of athletic programs in general. How how, how has Title IX affected the athletic programs in general where you, you, you're you starting to overall see that regionality happen?
3: Yeah, um, you depending on who you talk to, there are a lot of folks that, Seem to want to put the blame and on us on Title IX. I'm not mm. one of them. Um, I think that is an excuse that you see a lot of athletic directors use. Mm. Um, and I'm saying it at all levels, not just HBCUs. Obviously, we say HBCU, but you see all types of different levels FBS, Power Fives, uh, Division Three conferences talking about uh, letting go of wrestling or fencing baseball and then blaming it on title nine but a lot of that is really the fact that people are disproportionately spending money in a given area and because they want to spend more money thinking they're going to get some return when they're not getting the return then the causality comes out with the various sports on the men's side and so i think it's a choice than it is more about the repercussions or the byproduct of Focusing on Title Nine, but people will go back and forth. So I'm not trying to act like I have the only saying this, but I, I'm not one that believes in the Title Nine of the issue.
5: Can I touch on that for a second? Sure. Yeah, uh, I, I think type, like uh, you just said, I think Title Nine becomes the excuse for poor management. Uh, a lot of times, you. I agree. You don't go out and raise the funds like, like you need to. Uh alumni may not contribute like they need to, and or, or whatever the case is, but business decisions have have to be made uh at certain points in times. If the revenues, if the expenses continue to outweigh the revenues, then as a as a business, which believe it or not, everybody, these universities, <laughs> these athletic departments are businesses. So if, if expenses continue to outweigh revenues, then decisions have to be made. Cuts have to be made. Where Title IX comes in is that, okay, it, it actually may make more financial sense to quote-unquote cut that women's program, but because this law is on the books saying you have, to, you have to fund things at, at certain levels and uh, give you up scholarships equally, et cetera, et cetera, that's why the men's sports seem to be the ones that are cut, it's not not because they're they're, they're cutting them because they're they're being mean to men. A a lot of it has to do with financial circumstance. Some of it is mismatched, Some of it is just financial circumstance. Some of it is just life. But because this law protects females, protects our daughters, then unfortunately we as men, my son has to suffer because this law protects my daughter. That's just my two cents on it. Yeah.
3: Again, I, I don't believe it's, and that's one of the things I really challenge with because in this country, we really have a poor framework in our mind that we think we're resource deprived. And when we think we're resource deprived, if we provide allocations to one group or one dynamic, we automatically believe that are taking, taking, taking away some, from taking something away. from somebody yeah. else. So this is the same issue that they play over and over. They're just playing in this sport, and it's, we got to be really careful because if we, we not careful, we repeat these misnomers, these, these really lies for lack of better words, not to just tear somebody down, but they're not true. And half the time, if you looked at the books, they're not reallocating those funds to women's sports. Anyway, again, they reallocating those funds to other men's sports. So uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I've studied this for a long period of time and it's, it's, Just what we do. And in fact, we were, I told you about Brian and Sports Rap. We were on another show that talked about NIL, the Houston Community College with professors across the country and other things about the marketing perspective. And one of the things we found out that there's a large segment of the NIL market that's dedicated to women and the products that they sell from a marketing standpoint. So there's interest and focus in that. So folks that want to make money is there. The question is, is do you have an interest in driving it? And sometimes people's natural interests, even as an athletic director, they focus on things that are easier for them to be, that they can develop versus things that they may have to put a little more energy and different types of resources to get done. So, yeah, it, that's a really great subject. And I'm glad we got into it a little bit because I think it is important for us to discuss it and have open and honest dialogue about it. Uh, from a perspective i hope that you saw maybe a little different let's take this next break get back in here and get into a little more uh dialogue on um, about a tough subject for a lot of people we'll talk a little bit about this howard university uh decision which was really huge and significant for the MEAC. uh but uh stephen gaither again out of uh hbc game day why howard university chose to stay in the MEAC. um gets a little more into you know just how as you said, A.D. Drew, how churning works from that perspective and how everybody was in a lot of ways nervous that if they didn't make a decision uh, that they may be the last one standing. So it's going to be interesting to see in a lot of ways how does that move forward. But I think one thing is missing here and we got to be careful of that because depending on who this was, we might would well give that person a lot more credit. But me um, Commissioner Sonia Steele deserves a great deal of credit, at least at this point. To be able to hold this thing together, especially if you get a chance and you have read, you see it. And if you haven't, once you read why Howard University chose to stay in the EAC, you really start to understand that she deserves a lot of credit for finding a way to hold that together, at least at this point for this year. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break.
6: and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media Facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and Instagram.com forward slash empowerment Are
0: you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through
4: the 31st. World was happening. Rob Morgan here. Just letting you know, July 29th through 31st, I'll be at Montgomery, Alabama, Urban Nerd Con. Come on out, get something signed, take a photo, say hello, let's share some stories and create some memories, you know?
0: Peace. So join us by visiting theurbannerdcon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con.
1: See you there. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slow Burn. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge; it's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion, it's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn planned your next big event, or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rivals, you can shop our collections at www.SlowBurnWaco.com.
2: But if they want, keep tap, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. Press the analytic data with your hip-hop. Yeah. If you know them like I know them, no. they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot, let them the ball, So listen to what Professor yes, sir yes, and sir. pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Will
3: with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Great comments coming from the lab, lecture, listeners out here. Specifically, Karen Gruen says, "Speaking of alumni support, how does it look now to the mostly female student enrollment and alumni bases of colleges, mm. in general, specifically for HBCUs? Um, that's a great question in terms of who are the dominant group that are going to college and becoming um, a larger specific uh, component of those that are alumni." And more so, what does that look like with them being more active in the alumni association as well, uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of that, uh, in a lot of ways. So for some schools, I should say. That's a great question. Right. That's a question that I really need to get my colleague um, right here at Texas Southern University, as you know, uh, who I'm referencing. Charles, you've had her for a class, Dr. Courtney Mid, Flowers, mid-class. Title Nine expert, uh, literally in terms of research. So over the next couple of weeks, I'll reach out and see if her time will permit. Um, she may be traveling; she does do her traveling and get into some things in the summer. But I'll see if I can schedule with her because she really can provide some significant and meaningful commentary on Title IX, not just from a research, but she has the lived experience of playing golf. Uh, Coming out of the Greater Michigan Detroit area at Mississippi Valley State, getting their masters over at Grambling State University, and then doing their PhD studies over at New Mexico um, um, with their strong program they have over there. So it's fascinating when you start talking about Title IX fiftieth anniversary, uh, as we certainly should be celebrating that and what it's done for a lot of people out here.
5: Go ahead. Uh, uh, Oh, doc, before mm-hmm. uh before you go, uh on, on the CIAA network, there's an interview with uh Commissioner so- uh Commissioner Jackie Williams and Commissioner Sonya Steels. Uh haven't had a chance to watch all of them, just watch the first few minutes of it, but uh on, on this 50th anniversary of Title IX, it's an interview that I think everyone needs to take a few moments. It's about 25 minutes long and just watch. It's just those two on the uh, podcast, just uh, going back and forth, having dialogue between the two of them. Oh,
3: it's dynamic. And I'll
5: yeah. let
3: Charles jump back in here with his updated question Is when I was at the conference in Charlotte, you had Mac Williams there with Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes and had this idea that all three of them need to get together to do a show. And so I'm working on that, if it's not our show, uh, to make sure that it's on a show um, that a young lady to be upfront can provide some commentary. I'd said I'd join it welcomely, but it'd be fascinating to see that dynamic uh, in terms of leadership there uh, and celebrate that in a lot of ways, what it means, because you're right that session I had with them in Charlotte. And I imagine that interview we're talking about some powerful thought process of what it means to be in the business one and how do you deal with sports? What were you going to say, Charles?
4: Yeah. And I wanted to mention today is the actual day, uh, June 23rd, 1972 <clears throat> that title nine of the uh, educational amendment was passed. So I did want to make notice of that, uh, spoke with, uh, uh, Jackson States, uh, SID this morning. Uh, and they have a great, uh, article on GoJSUTigers.com where they recognize uh, they had a committee that was put together by former SID Sam Jepsen uh, where they they recognize the uh, athletics uh, celebrates 50 years of Title IX, recognize the most impactful women student-athletes at Jackson State. So that's a fascinating read to go through and uh, take a look at the, the top 50 uh, women's uh, student-athletes at Jackson State uh, for, for over the past 50 years. A lot of great names on there, a lot of names I remember. So uh, if you're a Jackson State fan or if you're an HBCU fan, in general, a lot of names you'll recognize. And uh,
3: to shout out in terms of women getting it done, assistant basketball coach was recognized with the honor, um, today or yesterday in regards to being one of the top assistants out there.
4: Is that correct too? Yes, that is correct. That is correct. She was, uh, recognized. I'm going to pull that, uh, information up here in a quick sec, but, uh, I did want to make mention of that as well. So, uh, was, uh, tremendous, impactful, uh, reads all across a lot of HBC websites in regards to, uh, title nine and the impact of women athletes, uh, and that 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 assistant coach was Lashonda Cousin. Uh, she was named one of the most impactful major assistant coaches. So definitely wanted to uh, recognize and, and shout her out. No doubt.
3: With that, let's get in a little bit about Howard, um, as we did on our show with Commissioner Steele's bringing her back up, um, and then the next day you got the affirmation letter um, in regards to Howard. Uh, in the commitment for all the presidents who are staying there, uh, you got a tweet that came out a couple of days ago uh, affirming that I guess if you would, and then that um, talked about Howard is expected to stay in the CIAA. One of the things that I talked with, uh, I'll say with Stephen, when we were having our discussions about what we were listening here, is I told him one of the key points you want to look at is the June meeting, board meeting that Howard had two weeks ago. Um, and reason that was important because you have the July 1st date where if you're going to make a conference move, you want to do it before that date um, because the financial money doubles if you make it after that date with the idea that you're going to change within a year. So once I didn't hear anything came out, I was really confirmed about that. And then you hear the news out here. But one of the things that goes interesting in the article just talks about um, how Howard was getting a lot of attention. But we'd heard a little bit about Delaware State um, in terms of their board meetings where they had conference training. And this was really early, right after uh, FAMU, Bethune-Cookman, and a t had exited. It was before the July 1st when a lot of people were open at. And you heard some conversation with some thought, places process with the NEC. Uh, you heard a little bit about Morgan State, but he puts a little more in there. And he names a conference that uh, was looking heavily at them was American East Conference in terms of the Morgan State according to this article here um, you know that Howard had these six programs participating in the NEC so NEC has some interest so as you saw the conference churning um, and taking place Norfolk State Big South was putting updates in terms of the interest of Norfolk State so it talks about how you have commissioners out there that are uh, using consultants uh, mm-hmm. to talk to folks to see if they have some interest uh, in moving to a different conference in regards to what that looks like and or you have ads presidents of these institutions talking with each other and trying to make sure when you use meeting with these straight faces and saying, yeah, we're committed and say yeah, we've heard that before. <laughs> Are you sure you committed? Are you really, really committed? Because if you're really committed then I'm committed and we committed, but if you're not really committed, you know, we don't want to be stuck with the bag. So a lot of that goes on. So after we take this last break, I want to come back and get your thoughts in terms of how all that shapes the narrative HBCUs in general, Uh, where is the landscape going for HBCUs, which it seems like a great time for a lot of HBCU athletic programs. Uh, In terms of the amount of publicity that's out there, the amount of coverage obviously may be dominated by a specific institution or a group in terms of a conference. Uh, But what does that all look like and what does it mean going forward? What do you see the landscape over the next 10 years? I want to see your thoughts and kind of give me your thoughts in general on Howard and the MIAC and the rest of the programs. And then further out, the second part of that, we'll get a little thoughts in terms of where is the future going? Stick with us after this last break. We'll get in that discussion in terms of future HBCUs, whether that's in the conference at, at multiple levels. What is the nexus? Press
2: the analytic data with your hip hop If you know them like I know them They gon' tell you if your team If they want a lot Yeah, and about, about, about,
5: One bite of 100% Angus Beach Ballpark Frank And you'll say Hello summer Oh yeah, it's ballpark season
0: Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time soul food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404 758 2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q Time, an Urban Passport member. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories. Officially licensed from your favorite HBCU Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com And follow us on all social media At HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter
2: Press the analytic data with your hip hop If you know them like I know them They gonna tell you if your team If they want to lot left a ball So listen to Professor Yesa, Yesa And pay attention Cause he gonna teach a lesson this is Dr.
3: Ville with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Professor Bishop and Clinical Professor AD Drew. One thing before I get in that question, I kind of had to pause at the end for you all to consider um, purposefully there was the fact that I wanted to get into the strategy of CAA, the colonial, if you would. I thought it was something that also needs to be considered, is their strategy was to go after a group of HBCUs. Yeah. Um and it sounds like if you kind of read the tea leaves in the history, it looks like they purposely looked at Howard. I think in a lot of ways they knew they probably could get Hampton and they wanted to strategically get North Carolina AT. Obviously, they got two of the three. Um, but in terms of all this potential churning that was taking place, uh, starting with you, Charles, in a lot of ways, what is what are your thoughts in terms of what does this mean for the MEAC and how? Strong does Commissioner Sonny still look in terms of being able to hold this together?
4: She looks extremely strong. And uh, what jumped out at me from the article uh, was the the statement that Howard's president uh, 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 made: uh, "We just decided to give it, give give her a chance." And how often have we seen mm. uh, something as simple as "I'm going to give this person a chance"? Watch how it blossoms. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, or, uh, even taking a look at Coach Prime at Jackson State, you know he had to be given a chance, and that was met with a lot of uh, laugh, laughter, and what are y'all doing? And this, that, and the other. And look how that has panned out. Sometimes a chance is all you need, and I'm mm. big, big on on uh, Commissioner Steele's with regards to how she was able to hold the MiAC together and where this conference can flourish from here, because I, I really. When you heard her on, I believe it was episode 259, uh, you really believed in her message and her optimism for where she can take this conference. Great point. Uh, Drew, what are your
5: thoughts? A woman with a plan. that That's the first thing that this this looks like is an affirmation that she is a woman with a plan where she is able to convince those eight Her eight bosses, basically, those eight presidents and those eight athletic directors that, look, I've got a plan. I need y'all to trust me. How many times do we hear this in life? I just need you to trust me. Trust the process. Trust this plan. (laughs) Give me X amount of time. Then if it don't work right, then do do what you need to do to serve your interests, but you got to give me a chance. And that's and that's what happened. They did not bail on the new commission. Let's think about this also, one with the plan. I'm pretty sure she had a lot to do with it and strategically placing all four of these schools in this conference. But this is the same conference that was trying to get one of your members full time. Maybe there was something going on. OK, if y'all leave Howard alone, we sent our four baseball teams over there too. You kind of like what you see, your uh, MLB trades and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, that I'm pretty sure there was some negotiations going on back there in order for all this to happen. Y'all need us, but we need Howard. We need Howard to stay. So mm-hmm. we sent our four baseball teams over there. Let's keep Howard over there. And then maybe also Howard has kind of looked and saw what has happened to a t and Hampton since leaving the and what do i mean by that mm. the grass is not always greener on the other side i.e hampton and a t going to the big south they got over to the big south and found out all, that lush lawn that the big south had was field turf it wasn't real grass so how would excuse me hampton made the decision to come on over here to the caa and try that landscaping out. Same thing A and T is doing next year. Maybe Howard sat back and saw what has happened to them. How their alumni and some other people have reacted to that. It's like maybe this may not be the best move for us by going over here to the to the CAA. Let's stay put for a minute and give her a chance. If 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 things go go left, we always know we've got the CAA in our, in our hip pocket.
4: They did leave the door open. Yeah. yeah, great
5: point when, when
3: you're talking about leaving the door open. Great point in terms of Big South, particularly for Hampton because their sample size is a little larger. And other than track and field, they struggled in, in the Big South. And even track and field uh, uh, did not stay up at the top once a t came in. And even this year on the and he, South, A&T got they swing. didn't finish top three in terms of those teams who were up there. So some trouble there. Um, A&T, for whatever reason, when they had a chance to go with Colonial, They left the Big South, so even if they uh, thought there were some good things about the Big South, obviously they thought the Colonial was better. So intriguing when you talk about understanding the landscape and what does it mean not just in terms of your ability to participate in the sports financially, what you might have to do, but also in terms from a cultural perspective of what your fans may uh, want um, in terms of even more so your alumni in that perspective. So... Intriguing points you make there when you talk about that. Did want to give a shout out uh, before we start to close things down. Uh, Big South talking about them track and field. Three of the four uh, honors of the awards go to Aggies uh, that were nationally represented in so many different ways, uh, dominated the Big South in terms of that conference. Another thing I kind of wanted to talk on since we're getting in this talk and you're starting to get into these uh, spring meetings even though they can't be held in the summer. It's funny, there is Gold Coast Athletic Council Conference. So president elects new leadership for the Gold Coast Athletic Conference. We don't often pay attention to this. I mean, we hear about it, but we don't pay attention to this. And I would love uh, to get on record. I've talked to some of the commissioners off the record, and they talk about how much having a solid president that supports the ideas that a commissioner is putting out there Uh, during their tenure is important Um, because you can have a president that's over the council. And when I say the council of presidents, the chair essentially of all the presidents over your council, that is the liaison in a lot of ways between the commissioner and the rest of the presidents uh, until they have their group meeting where all of them come together and you get your plan of action. There's an individual that kind of leads that platform. And oftentimes, depending on that relationship can go a long way in terms of what a commissioner can get done. Because you always hear people talking about a commissioner and whether they're strong or weak. But as we've seen throughout this show, that the commissioner answers to the presidents and chancellors of that executive board of counselors that is leading all the institutions. So they may take input. And they basically asked the commissioner to take charge and make sure whatever plan they agree to. And essentially what they put on the table uh, is able to go forward uh, from that perspective. So, Flanders smith College uh, out of Arkansas and the NIA Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Now what uh, comprised of all HBCU membership uh, was the previous president was Dr. Roderick's mother, senior. Oddly enough, he's an Alpha Alpha fraternity member and ran for the national president. My understanding is going to run again, so that should be interesting. So, uh, but he cycles off. And now you have the new president of Tuvalu College, President Dr. Carmen Walters, uh, was mm. coming on board for a two-year term with the new commissioner, uh, Dr. Kiki Baker-Barnes. And when I say new, she's the full-time active commissioner, which has never been done for the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. And she had a lot of support from Dr. Roderick Smothers because he was leading the rest of the presidents in making the decision that they needed a full-time commissioner. So you'd imagine you get that same support for Walters, but it will be interesting to see what that um, means going forward. Dr. Van Newkirk of Fisk University was selected as the vice chair. Of the Ghost Coast Athletic Conference. So, I wanted to give you in this show some different perspectives of the landscape, moving past just having the interviews, but give you some dialogue on some things that you don't necessarily talk And this time of the year, where we're outside of the sports segment, you know, sometimes we bring you the research that is out there. Uh, we give you interviews with folks that come from HBCU spaces that are connected with sports in different ways than we see when we talk about um, the coaches athletic directors and players directly. So wanted to kind of put that on the table uh, before we close out there. Um, The last thing is another good thing, coming back to FAMU, uh, former FAMU football players organized support, rally Football from HBCU Game Day. Extremely important when you get the support of previous players from a particular sport
1: that come on board and say
3: that we like what's going on here, we want to see more of it, and you're going to support it. Uh, FAMU's National Alumni Association, and we've heard for so many, based on the state of Florida, the need to have that sport uh, support is significant uh, when you have a governing body above the border regions, but the Board of Governors, it talks about not allowing funds associated with um, organizational funds from the institution being used directly for athletics, so Fascinating to kind of see these things go past. So wanted to kind of put that on the table before we close. Quick last thought from you, AD Drew. <clears throat>
5: excuse, excuse me. Uh no, uh just got one week left in the this calendar month. Exactly one week left in the calendar month. Uh, don't expect any Earth-shattering news, but you you, you never know, Dr. Cavill. I mean, right. it's, 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 something could happen June 29th, J- June 30th uh, out there. So, uh, yeah, just... But they say keep your head on the swivel. Keep, 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 keep your head on the swivel. That's all I'm yeah. going to say.
4: Mm-hmm. Charles, what are your final thoughts? Uh, again, uh, I mentioned the day. Today is the day uh, for... Uh, 50-year anniversary of Title IX. Uh, Look how far uh, women's athletics have come in those 50 years. So I definitely want to uh, highlight and put a uh, a, a spotlight on the fact that uh, women's uh, athletics has just made just tremendous strides, still more strides to go. uh, But what a uh, first 50 years it has been.
3: Shout out to Andre Felder, David Rhodes, Dr. Roderick Byron Holmes, Dr. Holmes. And, and it will be interesting to see where A&T, uh, as a and as the new director of track and field programs, Hilton, uh, the athletic director names uh, Johnson uh, in regards to taking over that program. And that'll be fascinating to see what that looks like. That's Alan Johnson has a good uh, background. And I've heard a lot of those that are in track and field really appreciate what he has done in the past. So it'd be interesting to see if he can continue the momentum. And he has a different landscape that's changed and moving into a different conference. So something to keep your eyes in, uh, in terms of what that looks like. That'll do it for us today on the show. Hope you enjoyed us taking a little different perspective of giving you that inside information of what it means in terms of what's going on there. Like the 2022 shirt. I, I see that uh, black college world series. Thank you for listening to inside HBC sports lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Niyotik the Dean of HBC sports from inside the lab in the college of HBC sports with Mike Watson, Charles Pitcher with our guest, if you would, clinical visiting professor, a little more than just a guest, A.D. Drew. Again, we want to thank you for listening, to Dr. Mills. Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike and Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday right here at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. Look forward to next week as we discuss the latest in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Neal on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L. Make sure you continue to check out the pregame show. Download my JVN, my VCSN. Check out uh, Brian and AD of Sports Rap, g Strike Zone. Make sure you keep us out. And we're going to bring back the Knights ra- of the Roundtable. So check that out as we get in the fall. We're going to make you see what's going on at HBC Sports. We're going to bring it from every and many different angles. Inside the HBC Sports Lab, also on Saturday, make sure you check out Carlos Brown. Great interview he had last week with the athletic director, uh, AD Banks good information in terms of that. Inside HBC Sports Lab on YouTube and Facebook. Dream Big and continue to move forward. We'll talk with you soon. Charles, of course. Drew,
5: lecture.
3: Dismissed.
5: Well